denim wherever she goes. Says she's gonna buy some records by the status quo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. Welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. This is your host, William, and uh, sometimes Will. And I am just so happy to have you here. I, I think, you know, this time of year, it's a special time of year. And I feel so... I feel warmed to the bottom of my toes and up again to have you here with me. Um, you, do you know what? Just put all that to one side. How, I hope you are well. Um, the important thing is, is to focus on the fact that Norman Blake's on the podcast. Singer, frontman, songwriter of Teenage Fan Club. Teenage Fan Club, a fantastic band that rose to prominence mainly because of their band, their band, their uh, album Bandwagon-esque. Dude, do yourself a favour, press pause on this and go and listen to some of that. Welcome back and um, well done for listening to that uh, wonderful album. Uh, and um, it, it, it's one of those, because a lot of people do um, revere bandwagon-esque, as, as, as I do. Um, and there's a good reason for that, because it is seminal, because it is it, it did bridge a divide between sort of pop, rock, uh, grunge and what have you. Uh, and I think, I, I do believe that Kurt Cobain even endorsed that band as an influence upon him. So there you go. And Norm, Norman's a wonderful guy. I, I think he's often cited as one of the nicest fellows in, in rock and roll. And I had no, um, I had, you know, no reason to uh, question that. He's very, very, he was very kind, very sweet. I think he was babysitting a dog during this uh, interview, which you're about to hear in about sort of three minutes. And, ah, uh, jeez, I'm I'm happy that we we I reached out to him and we were able to connect. It's it, it's cool, you know. It's, it's it's definitely one off the list because I used to listen to Teenage Fan Club on my bus from the Surrey countryside into into sunny Guildford. Uh, you know, when I was I don't know 17, 18, I used to I always used to put on the concept. That's one of their songs. It's a, the intro the the uh, the podcast. So she wears denim wherever she goes. So she's going to buy some records by the status quo. Well, if she does, then she's she's fucking great. She's great. You know, she's, you've got to buy denim wherever you go these days. Why wouldn't you? But anyway, look, enough of my yakking. Look after yourselves. Here's Norman Blake. And if, if you do feel like checking, check me out on, on Twitter, then do at Limehouse Pod and we're on Instagram. So bye bye and look after yourselves. Yeah, I'm not bad, pal. Not bad. Just um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm lying through my teeth there. I've had like quite a, 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 a strenuous day with, okay. without without the kids, but but they're okay. in my, but they're in my head. If you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Th- I know exactly who you mean. I've, I've had a bit of an unusual day too. I've ended up uh, dog sitting for a friend, so was, um, <laughs> a friend of mine, some uh, some speakers, some monitors, and I yeah. was over picking them up today, and she said. Look, um, my sister's asked me to come down for a couple of days. Would you mind looking after Jerry, the dog? Right. So Jerry's here, and he's a little bit nervous, I think. Sort of hiding <laughs> around. He's getting to know the, the terrain. I love it when new dogs I love it when new dogs do that. Well, not new dogs, but like dogs haven't been to a new place, and you're just like, God, imagine like a human. T- imagine a human did that, I know, you know? <laughs> I know. Pissed yeah, up against the curtain. Oh, and all of that stuff. I've not had a dog for years. I had them when I was a I've kid. I've had, um, oh man, in the past, like, I don't know how how many days now, I've had, like, um, Teenage Fan Club on, like, this kind of 
fun mix. It's it's so mental how much of a journey you can go on after you listen. Oh yeah, to, uh, yeah. You, yeah, you guys, and then a creation rabbit hole. Um, and oh then, yeah, you know, yeah. And then some of the modern I mean, bands as well that you guys have influenced yeah. as well. Well, you know, I think that's that is. I mean, you know, in terms of the streaming sort of uh, apps, I mean, okay, the. the Unfortunately, they, they, I don't think we they, they pay as well enough at the moment, but that, that <laughs> no. will hopefully change. But the the amazing thing about them is that access to all to all of this music, you know, um, yeah, you can totally get down that rabbit hole, can't you? you something will be suggested, and you go, oh, I haven't heard that album, and then you know that leads to something else. So, and actually, just having that volume of music available to listen to any time is, is just brilliant, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that part of it is great. You know, I do love that. As what well. I like, what I like doing more than anything is finding a band that's got like maybe three or 4,000 plays, but it's, it's a bit, it's a bit sketchy, but it's also just like absolute rough diamond, you know? Yeah. yeah there are so many things actually, I mean, even historically, so many things, not just new things, but lots of things from the past that, you know, I've discovered through there. Um, there's always new music, I mean, you know, always things that you've never heard. I mean, I've been, you know, I'm going to be 56 in about 10 days. Um, and, oh, you know, happy you birthday. Think oh, thanks. Um, well, just two days yet, but, but it should be, I look forward to it. But, um, but yeah, you, you know, there's been so many things. Somebody turned me on to a, a band, uh, an album, the band called Space Opera. Okay. And it's from the seven the seventies, but kind of it's it's amazing actually. The there's a particular track. What's it called again? Uh, I, I can't quite remember the recall the name of the track, but it, it's sort of is it maybe called Space Opera as well? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, but it's worth checking out. I think I'm pretty sure it's on on Spotify, but um, but it's amazing. I mean, it's like the birds meets like one of the you know like Noi or something like that. You know, it's so really what, brilliant you, track. So what, you mean Teenage Fan Club? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there is. That's definitely that. That's maybe why I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, but, uh, yeah. But no, somebody suggested to me. I'd never heard it before. You know, yeah. I mean, a guy called Sean Jackson. He said, "Oh, you, you check this out. Oh, wow, amazing." So yeah. yeah, there's loads of stuff. You know, I love, I love stuff. that. I love that because, like, you know, because. You know, we definitely have the ability now to search like you know endless amounts of, of bands past and present but you know back in the day yeah. obviously that that wasn't available so you know and, and also the other bands no, that were it, kicking around in garages and stuff now can make music yeah. willy-nilly but then back in the day recording was a lot harder it was more expensive yeah there were fewer yeah. studios they, they were poorly equipped generally you know i mean people still made records of course but you know that you had to um, well, we had to strategize a bit and try, we'd get a try and you know gather or gather money together to, to pay for it yeah. um, which wasn't always easy but yeah in terms of you know discovering music or hearing things we mostly be word of mouth i mean I, I i think back and i'm just not sure exactly how i heard most things but possibly you know there were a few record shops in glasgow that i would go into and there would be people there who would say oh you like this you know um and there were things like the velvet on well, everybody knew about them, but then right. you'd have to go and buy the, you know, the, the albums, or maybe somebody would stick them on a tape for you or something like that. Yeah. But you know, but there were some things that you know you would maybe order. You would get the list through of them, you know. So as we've got discogs now, but in the past it would just be, you know, a mail order sort of list or um, record, record collector <laughs> magazine as well. Yeah. And then you know you would just sort of somebody would say, oh, "You're very good condition, ten pounds post package, blah 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 blah." You'd send off your check or whatever, and then. Hope that two weeks later you got the record back. Oh, um, God, so that's yeah. how it was done then. And of course, record fairs were a big. Record fairs were a much bigger deal back then too. Um, I've, I've not been to one for a while because you, 
in the past you get fine bargains at record fairs but you never do now no so, well um, the, yeah the vine right the love of vinyl and the massive interest in it it's meant like the whole thing's gone up i was in a charity shop earlier yeah. and i bought a um i'm a bit of a bruce hornsby bruce hornsby fan these days okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's so he's fucking man that that that, that uh, the way it is album is it's just so freaking amazing and um yeah, it's four quid in a charity shop. I'm telling you, man, like a year, yeah, no, three or four years ago, well, it was like always, 50p. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, things have gone up in charity shops. I mean, I suppose people in the chat get the records in and then they go online, look at Discogs and look at the median price and then put it somewhere there. But it's yeah. still good. I mean, I still like, I'm still like into charity shops. The latest thing that I've got into collecting, uh, I still like buying records. Hmm. But I'm, I'm going to try and uh, pick up all of the Top of the Pops albums you know, the ones from the 70s with the yeah. sort of, I guess relatively dodgy covers because there's always sort of like uh, semi-clad women on the covers but you know <laughs> there, there are from certain periods that, and you're aware of those things of people covering the hits of the day to sort of get around well copy they could, you could do that and just put them together as an album and without yeah. and that would mean you wouldn't have to play royalty but um or the mechanical but um there are some really crazy ones on those I've got one the other day and it's got Death Disco by Public Image Limited on it and you can think, who thought putting that on top of the yeah. up? So really strange version, you know, but I mean, but they're obviously trying to copy the record. So it's pretty yeah. nuts. But I, I couldn't believe that one. So there are something, there are quite a lot, like 76 of them or something. I've got maybe 10. So I've got a long way to go. 76? Oh, they made tons of those albums, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I spot one on my travels, I'm in Norfolk. So I'll, um, I'll, right. I'll, 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 um, I don't know, oh, somehow be, send it up to you in Glasgow, like without it getting that, smashed. That, that, that would be great. Well, you've got my emails, which I, uh, that would be if you see it, I'll let you, I should let you get, send you a list of what I need. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. sure there was, there was some good crate, crate digging down in Norfolk. I've man. been down for a while. Man, um, I, we, yeah. So we, we did some recording there. Um, oh, uh, really? With, yeah. Uh, Dan Hawkins, when Dan Hawkins had a studio. Um, oh, right. It works. Yeah, yeah, not too far from Norwich. It was, but yeah, so we would, what album was it? I think it was man-made to get to the point where you forget which album was called yeah, yeah i think it was man-made yeah um no it wasn't man-made it was the one after the shadows we did some of that with dan okay. uh yeah. great guy really good guy god sweet no I, I love it i love it such a very underrated area i think we, uh, but i mean I know yeah it's great i love it too actually yeah yeah I'm, I'm learning that now but um yeah but and this is an observation that i made and this has got fuck all to do with music do you ever yeah. get do you ever get compared to Jurgen Klopp you look you well, there's the, a there's a photo of you actually no it's a video uh-huh. of you there's a video of you uh-huh. you're doing you know a, a talking head thing and it's uh-huh. freaking Jurgen I was I actually had to double take I was uh-huh. like what the fuck is uh-huh. Jurgen Klopp doing <laughs> on this Jurgen Klopp's one of the better ones I've had Bill Gates that one <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah and I had yeah. The, the, with nothing against the Bill about it um uh, D. Vers, Verhofen, I think he, he's a, a Dutch uh, politician. Okay. Giva Hofstadt. Giva Hofstadt. That's yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody, I've had that, but I, I think it's the specs, usually the specs. Isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. but, um, and of course, Jorgen's get rid of his specs now, so there you go. I don't like him without <laughs> his specs. It's bloody know, ridiculous. It's kind of the, yeah. The, yeah, they kind of become part of your personality after a certain amount of time. So it, the people, yeah. when they stop wearing them, they do look a bit odd for a while, don't they? You can like, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is not really Jurgen Klopp. 
So, um, yeah, there you go. But I've, I've had that. I've heard people have people say that to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I just had to get that out of the way. With it's the most important question of the night. I feel, um, Norman. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it would be really cool to like get an idea of um, of, of 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 I kind of like back backyard Glasgow when you were growing up and what was yeah. kind of on the radio uh, and when music first affected okay. you. Sure. Well, do you know, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm actually, I might uh, back visit my parents at the moment. So, okay. Uh, and then I, I sort of grew up in this town, it's called Bells Hill. And yeah. It's just outside of Glasgow, really. So it's, a, it's a, you know, it's about 10 miles from the city centre. But really, when I, so it was the punk rock thing was big for me. I was born in 65. And so, I, you know, I was just going to sort of oh. high school when that all kicked off. And so that, the, you know, the real formative years. I loved all of that. I loved the clash. I saw the clash three times. And I was really, really into that. Um, but then uh, around that time in Glasgow, there was a label called Postcard started that had Orange Juice and Joseph K. And I said camera on that label. Oh, and, man, you know, man. And there was, yeah. yeah. And there was a whole kind of scene that grew up around that. And I became a big, well, I was a big fan of Orange Juice. And I went to see them a load of times. And of course, Edwin Collins, you know, he had his, his solo career after them and had the big hit with a girl like you. But um, but they were really influential on what the music, my musical taste, because their whole thing was they were they were kind of into the punk rock aesthetic. But part of the punk thing was that you weren't really allowed to like anything that had happened before 1976. You know, <laughs> it was all kind of year zero. You know, and and a lot they came along. And they were like, yeah, you know, punk rock's brilliant, but Al Green's amazing, and you know, right. so are the, uh, the Buffalo Springfield or whatever. And you know, right. you can listen to any, on Chic. They like Chic, you know, and stuff like that. So it then allowed you to listen to, all, to have all this other music in your life, and and uh, so that was really important for me. It was you know enlightening, you know, and, uh, and uh, just the, just the fact that uh, all of a sudden you were allowed to. Like whoever you wanted and be influenced whoever you make the music that you wanted. None of it mattered. So uh, as, long, as long as you were being creative. Right. So this is like high school. So what, 18, 17, 18 or? Yeah. Maybe a little younger even. I a think I started younger. buying records when I was like 13 or 14, you know? Yeah. Um, About the time you know, I mean, I kind of given pocket money. Yeah, Serious pocket kind of, money. Yeah. yeah. Serious <laughs> pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably buy like one a week or something like that. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. But it was, but it was around about that, you know, and so it was like, you know, Clash singles and stuff like that, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and again, tapes, because it likes everyone, it's, you buy tapes and you take the album from your, your friend or whatever, you know, that's everyone did that then, you know, if yeah. you were, you know, if you didn't have much cash or whatever. So, um, so did you, did you, home, did you? Home taping is killing music. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was around that time. Yeah. Oh, so, man, no, I remember, go. yeah, I think that's why DJs made such an effort to talk over so much of the beginning and so much of an end of a song. Yeah, uh, that's great, yeah. yeah. Oh, you um, would take the chart, people would take the chart shows, yeah, and they would be, oh, yeah. great new single by The Stranglers, No More Heroes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and over the intro, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, did you, did yeah. You, do, you, do you have like a ground zero song like this, like, holy shit, everyone, why aren't you worshipping this song or this band or whatever? No, well, I mean, I, I could all, I could always say Orange, Orange Juice, the song Blue Boy, which was okay. a second single. I love the first one, Falling and Laughing, but there was a song called Blue Boy that is so kind of unique and idiosyncratic. I never heard anything like it before. Hmm. You know, it's sort of frenetic and really angular, and but but really really catchy. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, the whole thing that I loved about it too was that the um, so I got one, got it pretty early on. I've got it when it, when it came out, and they they kind of you know sort of photocopied these glossy covers which had just been folded and and, and actually it was a kind of larger piece of paper 
and half of the page was the orange juice back cover and front cover and the other side was joseph k another band on the label so they just Aye. you know folded it in half and they used the same thing for both bands brilliant but the orange juice right it's amazing actually and then so with the orange juice you know they gave they put a postcard in there and they also hand the band hand colored the you know the, the um the, the record right. what's great about them is is if you had an earlier one you know there's a bit more detail i think by the time they got to like you know the thousands copy they're just kind of scribbling on them <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that to me was, I think, when I heard that, well, that's just amazing. I've never heard anything like this. And, you know, I've had many moments since then when you hear a track, and I think that's incredible, you know. Was, was that all of those moments? Was, was that kind of like a band forming moment, though? Was that like, I want to do this? I, that's a, ooh, what's that? How do yeah. I make that? It sort of was. And it was also, like I said, I went to see The Clash a lot. So the first instrument that I got was a bass. So I oh, really? That's so random. I thought, yeah, I know. I just thought, well, like, I, I, when I was a younger kid, I played a little bit of piano. And my mum had sent me to piano lessons when I was young, which was fine. I actually did, didn't mind it too much, but I didn't, I didn't stick in at it. You know, I, I you know, yeah. I, I went there for about a year and a half and then stopped. But by this point, I, you know, um, I persuaded my folks to buy me a, a bass. You know, it's a white bass, and then a Wem Dominator amp, and that, that was and I, I really, Nick, really Nick Lowe style. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm an amazing artist, actually. But yeah, I was really a fan of Paul Simonon and the cla- just the, the bass lines he'd come up with for The Clash. And I thought, I could maybe do that, you know? <laughs> um, and so from there, I, you know, I thought, okay, this is cool. And then I, I you know, I ended up uh, uh, playing guitar after that, very shortly thereafter. Yeah. A, a friend showed me a few chords. I mean, it was, you know, so I didn't really have any formal training in, in that at all. But I picked up a few chords and then just added to that. And then, you know, um, I kind of haven't looked back, I suppose. Because like for me, from personal perspective, like when you spoke earlier about like having like the validation of like, you know, people being into other music, so chic and what have you, as well as yeah. punk, you know, that's quite cool. For me, it was like um, hearing the Ramones for the first time and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just three chords. I, in fact, that is. And, yeah, and they, I mean, they, the ones, it is that, it's so simple. It's brilliant, isn't it? There's a, yeah. a lovely elegance about that. There, there was a really, just a really simple, you know, form that they had three yeah. chords one two i mean i saw the ones a few times and they were amazing live you know it Sweet. was that one two three four boom they played this one two three four in the next one it was really powerful you know yeah um and some bands hit on these strategies sometimes this was acdc i've got a kind of similar strategy those big powerful riffs that are yeah. you know massive and you know um so yeah yeah those things are those moments are great when you you sort of discover people that have oh well you know whatever they can be, I don't know, affect you that much in a way when you hear the music. Yeah. Now, where did you see the Ramones? Saw them in Edinburgh and Glasgow. And we did a few festivals, um, you know, just European festivals when they were on the bill. I was going to say, did you, you, you played with them, I should imagine, right? We, they, did, they, you know, we, yeah. we did. We did. We sort of played, but we played festival shows with them. But we, um, but we had a really amazing thing. We were playing, we were doing an in-store uh, other music in New York. So this probably isn't too long before Joey Ramone uh, passed away but mm. we had a, a mutual friend uh, a woman called Rachel Felder Rachel's uh, an old friend of the, of the bands um, and uh, and she brought Joey down for the gig and uh, you know, it's, it's funny because Rachel's a, it's a pretty short person you know and Joey was really tall so they, yeah, you know, but they, um, but they went, so she brought him down and we got to hang out with him a little bit and it was probably yeah, probably about a year before he passed away actually God. so that was a real that was a real thrill you know I bet I bet. What was he like, mm. man? Was that like a big just, presence? Pretty friendly. Yeah, nice guy. Quite quiet, really, actually. You know, but quite, you know, quite a quiet, shy person. But 
but friendly, you know. I, I, can, make, I can, I can imagine him being like, I can imagine him being seriously quiet. Yeah, I just like. Yeah, just, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, you know. Uh, but but cool. I mean, look, it's a really striking looking man, really really tall, and you know, freaky. You, you know, this yeah, but amazing. That was like a really good experience. Yeah, God, Jesus! It's definitely a band I would have loved. I would have, I could have watched. I could have been to if I had an awakening of that. You know, early, but I would have yeah. been probably about fourteen, fifteen. So I would have just been a bit too young. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I am in. I had this, I had a similar thing with the band Queen. Actually, I had my friend that uh, when I was a kid, um, a friend had got tickets for the Live Killers tour that they were doing. They were playing at Glasgow Apollo. Um, it's funny, I'm pointing towards Glasgow there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and um, but my friend had got tickets and, they, and he, he offered me the ticket and I was, I was pretty young. I mean, I was like 13 or something like that, or, you know, uh, and I was I just didn't go for some reason. And I really regret that because I, I would love to have seen oh, Queen live. I mean, yeah. a really incredible live band, you know, so uh, there you go. Never mind. Nah, man, that I would have loved to have seen Queen as well. I saw the Kinks back in '96. Oh, um, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, this is going to sound totally bizarre, but coming to the Kinks, right? My first ever concert was the Kinks, right? Uh, me too. 19, Hash, ha, you know, hashtag right, me too. It was 1966. I, I was a baby, and my folks were in Blackpool. We went to see Tom Jones, and the Kinks were on the bill as well. No, and so I, I can't, I've got absolutely no memory of it you know but when people i think it was around the time of the billy screen preservation society stuff you know, oh, God, whenever wow. people ask me what my first gig was obviously oh it was the kings i mean i'm stretching it a bit you know but there you right go. but like yeah I mean, that's yeah. funny with tom jones my god one of the greatest singers of all I know. time yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, i'd love to have been that oh my god <laughs> that, that would have been amazing um yeah no 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 it's i i, I do so it's i had a conversation with um oh god come on will um the um, some of the undertones, and I was oh, really interested. No, Michael Bradley, possibly. Yeah, yeah, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, guy, yeah. you guys, I know. I was going to say, you guys must be like best buds. These, you two, very, very similar, very lovely people. So. Yeah, he's a yeah, really nice guy, mate. Yeah, yeah, Mike, Michael, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're good. They're, the Ramones are an amazing band. Really, they were. Uh, they came that. And that can be that similar sort of very simple formula, just great pop, great little pop songs, you know. Yeah. Really, they still sound really great. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great humour in them too. You know, it's something like my perfect cousin. Yeah, that's a, yeah. a great song. Love that when I was a kid. So yeah, what well, I like to do, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If Sabutio, he flicked the kick, and no one, yeah, someone, someone, yes, great. Yeah, and the, the my got my got my synthesizer got the Human League into advisor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pretty yeah, good. brilliant. I love the way that yeah. he, he, he 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 slips those those little lyrics in there. It's pretty good line Yeah, kind of. Did you get any of the backlash of being like uh, not a football fanatic thug and being into alternative culture? Did you did you get any backlash uh, over that? Or? No, I don't think we ever really did. I mean, you know, it's like um, I mean, it's obviously you grow up you grow up in, in sort of Scotland, and there's you know there's the football all rivalry that goes on here and all that but um i think we never kind of even the guys the people in the band have liked teams and all that in, in the past but we you know but i think we were never much of a football band uh, you know as such i mean we did uh we did we did do a track for the euro 96 soundtrack called kickabout which is to put together <laughs> this cobbled together this sort of Brilliant. instrumental thing and that was quite yeah. good fun i mean i watched you know i kind of watched the the, the, the premiership in england a lot you know i can because i play yeah. the i've got a fantasy football team and all that so that's oh, okay right. but that's kind of 
<laughs> in a way, maybe the extent of my kind of thing, you know, I just but like I quite enjoy that. It's quite good fun. I like watching it, you know. Yeah. But, uh, in fact, I've got I've got the Scotland game on in the corner here. Oh shit! Oh and wow! A must mate, a must watch there, Norman. God fucking hell! I was like, I, uh, yeah. I wanted to watch England the other night, and they were against Andorra, and I was like, I, I missed it because I got the day wrong, and, I was, and then I reminded myself, uh, yeah. you know, Jesus, mate, come on, get a knife here, Andorra. Oh yeah, I know it's. Yeah, but that's a, that's an opportunity for Scotland to actually score two goals, you know, or more. Than two well, goals. it is. I know. I tell you what, they went, I, well, I haven't said that though. They were really good the other night. Um, uh, you know, I watched the game uh, the other night, and they were they were excellent. You know, I saw. I, I unusually, saw. For, it's been such a such a long time since Scotland had like a half decent football team. It looks like they may potentially have a half decent football team now. So that's pretty good. Always nice. To, yeah, totally. Fingers yeah. crossed. We'll see what yeah, happens. definitely. Uh, but but, yeah. but no, sorry. Yeah, but back to um, back to um, Glasgow and what have you. But like, what? Who? Who? Who's your? Who's your first? Um, who's the first person that you formed a? a band with or I don't know shook oh, right. maracas Sh- with and, and it all started oh, to go yeah. hey whoa well well, it was, it was, there was definitely a person a guy called Douglas uh, T. Stewart from BMX Bandits yeah me and Douglas were at, uh, great great guys a very old friend one of his friends but we were at school together Douglas is in the, in the year above me at school and uh, I got to I met him through the art class where there was a, a, I remember somebody had they, had they had this thing where they were trying to make the really crappy desks you know, tidy them up a bit. So they got people to paint things on them, you know, because they you know, whatever. And Douglas said, I remember he painted this kind of cubist dog thing. And I thought, that looks absolutely mental. I have to, I'll have to get to know the person that did that. And so it was Douglas. We became friends and we started uh, making tapes together. I mean, just really, I mean, because Douglas can't play an instrument. I couldn't really play anything then either. So we're literally, you know, Hitting pencils off margarine tubs and making up daft little songs. We just do it for our own amusement. We'd listen to John Peel, then we would sort of record a few yeah. sort of silly songs, and yeah. that was the start of that really. But we always knew that we wanted, we would both of us wanted to be in bands and make music. It was, it was a nice, you know. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with the, this town, Bell Hill, but there weren't really many opportunities here, you know, for people. It's, it was, and especially back then, it was kind of tough, you know. Uh, not many people went to university and you know yeah. no one was expected to it was heavy industry then so it was yeah. a nice way to escape from that you know um and just make music and have a bit of fun with it sean um, dixon was another person sean from the suit dragons then kind of kind of joined us in yeah. that little scene that we had there and we kept making music together and how old how old are you then well it would have been sort of 14 something like that 14, and what, what are your mum and dad thinking are they like are they on the scene are they giving they, you shit or are they just like well they did buy me the bass and uh you know oh, true, yeah. and they did buy me the bass and the, the amp so i suppose they must have thought it was okay but then actually when i was about 15 my folks moved to portugal that lived there for a couple of years so i stayed at my grandmother's house so she was absolutely fine with it she um she didn't mind me making music at all and wow uh, and in fact in fact we eventually uh, when we started TNH Fan Club, we would practice. She had a room, and well, that was my room actually, her place, and we would practice in there. Uh, and I, in fact, the cover of our first album was a photograph of the wall. I kind of stripped the wall, the paint, the paper back off the walls. It was kind of fixing it up. It took me yeah. a long time to fix it up, but um, we took a photograph and that became our first sleeve. So, um, so it's all a lot of the stuff that I've done has been connected to here. Uh, but then also Glasgow and Mary Hill, where Raymond from the band is from, we recorded our first album in Maryhill, Glasgow, um, a place called Pet Sounds, which is a studio that was owned by Wet Wet Wet, 
Oh, right, so there okay. you go. And uh, okay, oh, didn't have much money. I think Raymond had got a little bit of money, five hundred quid or something, and we made the album with that. You know, yeah, so that's was, a, that's a lot know. of money back in like what nineteen like it was a 80s. fair amount. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a fair amount. I suppose but Raymond had someone had left him his neighbour had left him a, a refrigerator and a washing machine. They passed away his neighbour and he, okay. he, he okay, got right. those. God, okay. And well, he <laughs> sold them, and with that money, we made our first album. Oh, um, so uh, that was kind of how it started, and then we uh, we got in touch. There's a guy called Stephen Pastel, who um, was a very good friend. Is in the Pastels Glasgow band, and he I'd given a tape to Stephen of the album that we'd made, and he sent one to a guy called Dave Barker um, in London, who had a label called Glass Records, and David put out the last Pastels record, and he sent a, a, a copy to a guy called Gerard Cosloy in New York who was in the process of starting Matador Records. They hadn't Blood, been with Bloody yet. hell, talk about tenuous, that's yeah, mental. It was, well, it was amazing. It was, we, were, we were kind of really fortunate. It's our, I think our album's the third Matador album. Uh, and that's how it started. We went over to, they invited us over. We went over and played at their launch party for the label. Yeah. Um, uh, at CBGB's, you know, amazing. You know, Whoa. these legendary places, you can, you know, and there, there you are, like, you know, a few weeks or a few months after recording the record in this little studio in Glasgow, you're in New York at CBGB's playing there. It was brilliant. It was good, really incredible time. And so, so we were lucky. But again, you know, we um, I think we were we realised that we didn't want to make lots of demos. We just wanted to make an album and see if we could get someone to put it out. And luckily yeah. for us, there were two people that were interested in putting it out, and we kind of didn't look back from there. So what what's what, what what was on that sort of demo album? What, what what tracks? Well, it was it was so everything. Well, all of our earliest things. So everything we, we actually recorded the entire album. So a song called "Everything Flows," which is a, a you know one of our, I get think our best known songs. But um, but yeah, God, so okay. yeah, so so but it was all recorded over the over a few days. Uh, we actually did a second session at Peter Hook's studio called Sweet Sixteen in Brooksdale. Oh, uh, and, and what was amazing about that actually was that they had to, Hooky had the emulator that New Order had used on Blue Monday. So, so what, what, what did he have? So you cracked up. So, a bit so it's a, yeah, it's a, a keyboard called an emulator. Okay. You see the, 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 the choir sound in Blue Monday when it comes in, it goes, oh, oh that sound right. was on there. So you could press that and, you, and it was like, oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, Blue Monday. Wow, amazing. So that was pretty good fun. Um, Sweet. We spent, I think, yeah, we, we were in there for like three, four days and finished the record then. Um, so did... And then at that point, oh, sorry, yeah, we got a copy. Uh, Alan McGee had heard a copy by this point. We'd sort of known Alan through the Primal Scream guys. Yeah. And he said that he would be interested in making an album with us. And then, so that's how we ended up on Creation Records. Um, but when, so when you when you when your your first recordings did you did you feel like there was a power within those songs did you did you have like an almost like because not every band knows do they they just they just want to rock out and they don't necessarily know yeah. they just they just know they've got to record something because that's what bands well, do I, yeah yeah see I think the way we looked at it was uh, if you don't record something and put it out you won't you can't move on we really yeah. wanted to move on we knew that if we made a record and put it out then. We would be compelled in a way to make another re- to write more songs and make another album. Yeah. Therefore, hopefully, make helping us progress and be, you know become a better band. That's how we kind of looked at it, we, yeah. and we liked the idea of recording. It was you know that, that, you know an exciting idea for us to get into the studio. But we didn't you know so like so we thought get the album out. We have to tour the, we'll tour those songs for a bit, and then we'll have to do something else. 
Yeah. So yeah, like so it's, that's how we looked at it, you know. Um, what kind of venues, yeah. man? Like, what can you remember? Like the early, early days when like fan clubs. Yeah, well, we going. played all over the place. We played. Oh, we played. We played in the. We played in the gas tank in Switzerland. Remember that yeah, one? Quite, course, uh, quite course, reverb. Of course you did. There. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we played. But we played all sorts of tiny little venues. We we actually went out on the road. You know, did the whole classic tour thing. Um, uh, we played. We did a little West Coast tour in the US. Sorry, East Coast tour in the US as well. And uh, 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 um, you know, just tiny, tiny venues. Um, we would at the end of the night. I, I, would, I would always just say, "Is the end of the year could put us up for the evening?" And there right. would always be some very keen, very keen American would be like that. Hey, sure, you know, come stay oh, with definitely. us. And we, and we, yeah. we actually we have some friends that we met then. The guy called Eric Van Rysdam is a very good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and we met him he lives in buffalo but we met him uh, do, you know on doing that you know we stayed at their place in new york manhattan for a few days having a friend pete barbara God. so it was amazing really i'm just good. trying to imagine what um really early like norman was like on stage like were you nervous were you at it immediately did you know your, um, your what to do sort of thing <laughs> i or... mean we can't enjoy that i don't think it, we were playing small venues so then we were particularly nervous we would definitely be a bit more lubricated than we are now, but For that sure, was because right. you'd be sit, you'd be playing at a pub, you know, the Camden Falcon or something like that. You get there in the afternoon, it's a pub. What are you going to do? It's all fine. But but you know, um, we probably I think we sort of thrashed around a bit more than we do now, you know. Yeah. Um, but we we really just enjoyed it, and you know, I think we always just so fortunate to be doing it. We didn't actually take ourselves particularly serious either. We enjoyed it, but we didn't think that we you know. We, we, you know, we all, we were just in the moment and having a good time, really, you know, but yeah. not thinking that, not thinking that we might be doing it 30 odd years later, you know. I know. So, it's, it's, yeah. it's just that tiny little thing, isn't it? I was thinking about this earlier with, with you guys. I was watching um a little part of, um uh, what's that documentary you guys were in, uh, with the Glasgow bands that came up through Creation oh, teen- yeah, teenage, yeah. Teenagers or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's teenage like, superstars. Teenage superstars. superstars. It's fucking yeah. great. And I, I was just like thinking, you know, in a way, what you're describing there is almost like a carefree way that I I would have liked to, 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 for my musical experience to be. For some other people, I'm sure listening to this would be like, Jesus, I wish I just enjoyed it more. Maybe it would have been, it would have panned yeah. out differently yeah, well, or something. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's partly doing the the personalities as well in groups. You know, because sometimes your dynamic can be funny. We all got on pretty well then, but sometimes, you know, if there's a bit of friction in a band, then it might be harder to have an enjoyable experience making music because, you know, we all got on pretty well. We were all, you know, we were all, we, we, we did all pale into the back of the transit van, you know, we were, you know, um, and we had all these experiences together. We weren't really, we, we weren't making any money, actually. You know, there was no money in it back then, but, you know, well, there, was, there never is. Exactly, exactly. But, I was going to say, and even <laughs> yeah. if it was, it's probably going to just get pissed up the wall anyway, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, yeah. Head, head, hedonism, what have you? Oh man, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ! But um, <laughs> when you guys were coming up, what were what were the bands that you were like touching shoulders with, or touching shoulders, rubbing shoulders with, um, that were kind of meant a lot to you? Yeah. Like <laughs> the Vaseline's or anything like that, or when Nirvana? Because yeah. I know you've, you've had. Uh, yeah. Well, Vaseline's. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah, I mean, both of those bands. I mean, we 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 were lucky in that we we got to know the vast. Well, that Fastings were very good friends. We got to know Nirvana, and we toured the Nevermind Europe, the European leg of the Nevermind tour with them, yeah. and that was amazing because they're really nice people. You know, it was before it all sort of kicked off, and I think they didn't enjoy it so much later on. 
I, you know, and before sort of Kurt had his serious, serious issues, well, he was, he, I mean, he's a lovely guy as well, you know, but he wasn't in a great place at the time, no. um, sadly. Um, but he was, you know, you know, so those very early days knowing them was amazing. And, um, and, and you know, just um, kind of witnessing that phenomenon of that something, you know, because I think the label didn't really expect that, that record to do too much getting. Uh, DGC. I think they thought it would do well, but I mean, you know, no one could have predicted how big it actually became, you know. Um, and just, it was amazing, so you, you know, we're travelling through, you're, you're, we're playing at the Zenith in Paris, and there's you know, 20, 30,000 people going, going absolutely nuts, and it was just brilliant to witness this phenomenon and see something like that happen, because you don't get to see it very often. I think yeah. we, we did that tour. The other tour that I think we did that I would say was similar to that was we toured with Radiohead and OK Computer. We did the, U, the US... Really, and, and that yeah, that was amazing because they were playing Fucking for them. Hell. What would at the time was kind of smaller theaters, maybe three and a half, four thousand people. Um, oh, of course, yeah. And they were absolutely brilliant. And again, really nice people, but they were absolutely incredible live. What a band! Brilliant. Yeah, they really. Seen, yeah. they, they, oh, they're worth it because they really care about their audience. You know, they would do they yeah. sound check. They would always give us a sound check. We would always get a decent sound check, but they always made sure that the, the sound was good. You know, it was really important to them yeah. that people could value for money. So they're, they're good people, really good people. God, but that was amazing I'm... that because again, that was. I know it's not often that if you're on tour with the band. I mean, you'll watch them some nights, but you know, they, very often you'll be doing other things. But I remember on that tour, I watched Radiohead every every night. I'd liked some of the, you know, I had heard the music and I'd liked it before, but on that record, I, I really got them, you know, and I thought it was brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. Just it was oh. good to watch. It was always entertaining, you know. Yeah, they must have been like, we want them. We want Teenage Fan Club. We love them. We'd, yeah, we kind of met them, and yeah, they asked for asked us to They're, play. I mean, to, Pablo to Honey, mate. We kind of met. That is like fucking yeah. teenage fan club right there, right? Yeah, I think you know, I do. I think they liked us and, and all that, you know, and uh, and yeah, but we got we going great with them too. You know, we had a good time on that too. They're, they're like really nice people, really, you know, generous and kind, yeah. you know, and friend, friendly, you know, for sure. That was fun. Like I was just thinking, um, a chap from Travis was talking about you guys the other day, and I was like, actually, yeah, thinking about it, like Travis's first album, that's super. Duper teenage fan club, but why wouldn't it be? Because you know, kind of similar neck of the woods. Yeah, sort same, of thing. same city, same city. I think, and maybe yeah. same, similar interests, similar tastes and music. They're, they're a bunch of nice guys too, actually. Travis yeah. lads. Basically, you've just influenced a fuck ton of people, haven't you? Really? I mean, well, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, just, I think do you know. I, it's it's always flattering because people would say that since you know, I, you know, your band's really influenced the music. But that's a really nice. You never know quite how to answer someone when they say that. Other yeah, than I know, thanking I know, them because it's a nice, it's a nice yeah. thing to say, and it's, um, it's you know, um, it's always it's a great thing to hear. You know, if someone says, "Oh, you, you, you know," um, but I'm always you know feeling. And a little slightly embarrassed or whatever. Well, I, I mean, or, or you just get bored of hearing it, yeah. Yeah, and no, I don't think you can ever get bored of it because it's, it's always, you know, <laughs> you never take that kind of thing for granted. It's, it's yeah. always pays you a compliment. I think it's always you got it you know you appreciate it you know for so, sure uh, man oh my yeah, god like yeah. i've been i've been in band practices where i've been like i think when i first heard um the concept yeah i changed my that changed my perception on guitar music because i was well i know you didn't write it with status quo in mind but obviously that lyric is just for me i'm a yeah, massive yeah. i'm a massive quo fan so for me it was a go ahead oh, okay, i was yeah, like yeah. oh wow okay so you could i knew i, I well, get i got the irony but yeah. you know 
But it definitely, it definitely came from a, a, a place of, of affection for status quo as well. You know, it yeah. absolutely did. You know, you know, there, you know, you know, there's some great quote tracks. So, so I can't. When I, I mean, it's a long time ago, but I remember writing the lyric and thinking, oh well. Like I was, I don't normally write narrative songs. I mean, I did maybe did more back then, but I just did the had the idea that I just I don't know that line came to me and I thought, okay, well that's a good place to to jump off. Uh, this song, she wears denim, denim, wherever she goes, say she's going to get some records by this status quo. And they, these status quo is obviously a reference to their earlier... 60s, they, yeah. Psych. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, yeah, that was the pictures of Matchstick Men. Uh, yeah, man. They, the they, they, get, yeah. they get overlooked, though. Seriously, they do. I mean, like, they're psychedelic oh, yeah, totally. era. They do, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing, that stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really good, that. So it was, it did come from a place of affection for them, absolutely. What, what was... Do you have... A relationship with feedback from like early days like when you maybe if you first heard it with hendrix or something and thought i i want that. i yeah. want that on a record yeah i think this the, 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 yeah that is a texture is a good it's a good sound you know and uh, you know we at that time i think we were playing marshall four by 12s with but i think a jcm 800 and raymond had got a gmt50 which is a really nice old amp yeah and you know you and yeah we just we were trying to think of a way to get into the song i guess it starts with the kind of guitar feedback I think Raymond just sort of waggled his guitar around in front of the, the cone until he got a, a you know a, a feedback sound that we liked, and that was probably an overdub. I'm sure it was actually. We probably tried a few. There's probably like some outtakes of yeah, yeah, whatever, oh, yeah. You know, some, for sure, some, man. Some yeah, that didn't quite work as well, but it's a nice. It's, it's it can sound really good as a transitional thing, feedback or whatever. Um, and yeah, we've always liked guitars, you know, and getting guitar sounds, and you know, that's a thing for us. Because, like, if, I mean, in terms of, like, bands to um, emulate, not emulate, but, like, because obviously in the early 90s, uh, or early 80s, when you guys were, the you know, in nebulous state, when it's kind of all coming together, the bands that, I don't know, like, um, Fugazi or what have you, you know, there's thra- there's more thrashier sounds going around. Yeah. And it was yeah. a temp- it's almost like a temptation sometimes to go down to go down Avenue A that's thrashy and fucking insane and cool oh, and hip and whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then yeah. and a different avenue that pays tribute to... Um, I don't know the, the cleaner sound, but you guys seem to just do right down the fucking middle. So that I was mean, pretty yeah, cool. We def- yeah, I remember those. Fug- I like those Fugazi records, Minor Threat, and all that stuff. That was part yeah. of something like that. Um, but that, the hardcore thing was much more of an American thing for, for us. Yeah. And I think we we you know we just couldn't have done it to you know as well as other people. You cannot. I think the other thing about a band is you you, know, you just you have to. You, you start out and you're the sum of your influences. So you, all the things that you listen to are your sound. Then over time, you kind of start to work, work out what you're good at. Okay, we can do this. What's our, you, you, okay, we've got a kind of mid-tempo thing that we do, uh, that we do for years. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it. far from the thrashy thing. So, you know, but I think you just have to find what the thing you feel comfortable doing is and then go with that. And that just takes a bit of time. So I think by the time we got to our second album, Bandwagon esque, we, you know, we that was kind of decided that we wanted to oh, be more melodic or melodic and a bit more jangly or something like that. But there'll be still a little bit of noise in there. And bring the sunshine, right? Because like, there's a band. Um, yeah. You you must maybe even gig with them called Silver Sun. Um, and yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I haven't played I, with them, but I remember the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I've seen them live a couple of times, and both times just been completely wowed by them. But they're a band that bring yeah. the sun, right? And you, you guys yeah. are like, you, you, you're probably like the most, the, the biggest sounding, like guitar band that bring the sun, like it, it of, of any era, right? And and it's like, but you're from the the from Glasgow. It's quite fun. I love that. Was that like an yeah, <laughs> trying yeah. to brighten up your 
People <laughs> often ask us about that. Maybe it is something that would to do with the weather. Yeah. It rains a lot here. But there's, yeah, I don't know. There, there, but there is a thing, the, the, the Glasgow music scene, certainly from the early 80s, was always about, you know, you know, melody songs, I think was always a big thing, as opposed to just, you know, sort of, you know, uh, rock or punk rock as such, you know, it was all, there was always the, the, the jangly element to it. Mm. There was always, uh, you know, people, you know, I mean, who doesn't love the Velvet Underground, but they were, they, they were a big band in Glasgow. That was a big thing for Glasgow. The Velvets right. and that New York, Andy Warhol, that, that whole scene. Standing uh, on the corner. Yeah, I'm just brilliant, amazing. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, that was a, a, a big influence on the Glasgow thing, even the aesthetic, you know, people yeah. tried to look like Andy Warhol or whatever, yeah. you know, or, you know, Lou Reed with the shades and just the, right. the motorcycle boots and all that kind of thing. So, but maybe I think it's the thing, you know, it's funny, I, I talked to a lot of Americans, they'll someday, they, and Americans like, to, to, to me, that was really exotic. New York, places that I thought I'd never get to, San Francisco, whatever, you know, yeah. LA, all that, you know. Uh, and and sometimes I'll speak to Americans, they, and they have a real thing for here, you know, for UK and right. London and whatever, yeah. you know, and, and Glasgow, and because it's exotic to them, you know, in the right. same way that they, you know, so what you don't have is exotic, and uh, so maybe that's why the, the, we looked to that sound so much, or whatever, or that aesthetic. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's, like that, I think. Yeah, that's that's very true. Like I, I, I hear that in Tom Petty's music a lot. Like I think, um, sorry, I hear that truth. What you're saying there about uh, escape and I kind of like doing a, yeah. a part exchange. Um, well, they were they were all total anglophiles, all those guys, yeah. the American bands. They loved it, you know, and and you know, especially the Beatles, right? You know, Tom Petty, massive oh. Beatles, and ends up sort of working with one of them, George Harrison, yeah, so traveling, oh traveling Wilburys, but yeah. Um, I, I think that's what it is. It's you like some, you know, it's like something that's exotic. And the same with Serge Gansberg or whatever. People here find that exotic. Maybe although French people love Serge as well, so it's like you know. <laughs> but but you know, it's music from another place is, is interesting. So, and there is, it's, we've been lucky too with all the reissues. You sort of hear great Ethiopian music and Nigeria. You know, stuff from every country has got brilliant music. You know. Uh, and we're lucky now that we've got more access to it. I mean, to hear anything like that when I was younger, but John Peel would play some stuff. You know, he was into kind of African pop quite a bit, but you would never hear it anywhere else. You could, we could buy the records, you know. So yeah, now I mean, that stuff's available. Tom's doing a pretty goddamn good job at keeping that um, that ship afloat, isn't he? Whenever he's on six, yeah. you know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's amazing that actually, yeah. But John Peel was that was such a great show you know it was amazing oh, and, and you, you would get to hear so much great and the, the whole thing about the sessions i love that you know and it's a great thing that bbc archive of this the live sessions is incredible you know there are so many great ones and um, and i remember the strange fruit fruit reissued quite a few of them but that, that whole thing but it would be exciting you would go down to made a bail and record your session you know, and that was always so exciting, you know. What was that um, like uh, then? So, like, early days, seeing great, you know, seeing the great man for the first time or what have you, like, after connecting the dots, uh, like, oh, my God, it's yeah. actually happening kind of thing. Oh, yeah, you just, be, we only, we did a couple of the Peel sessions, actually, and then and we did uh, one just on our own, then we did one with Frank Black. Um, and oh, that really? They were amazing, it was great fun. You know, it, yeah, it was an exciting experience, you know. And But, yeah, you went down to the, the and it was at the Mediabill, BBC Mediabill studio, so it's like, you yeah. walk past the... Uh, Thing they, what do you call it? Radio, radiophonic workshop. You know, the sign for the radio for BBC radiophonic old, workshop. Old school, man. Delia Dabish is probably in there shopping up some whatever, make yeah. some tape loops or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then you would go around into the studio, and yeah, it was great. And then you'd have a day 
you know, you would sort of go in in the morning, you'd set up, you'd record four songs, then the engineer would say, right, pub, and then you'd all go off to the pub, then you come back, then they would mix them, and that would be it. That would be your day. It was great. It was really exciting. God, what, what a job. Because like, the thing is, uh, you, yeah. you know, you, you do have a real boyish, like, enthusiasm for this. Um, which I really appreciate because you must have, you know, God almighty, how many times you must have spoken about this, you know. Um, but it's still, I think that's why it, talking about someone like um, John it, is it's so easy and, and it brings back such nostalgia and such joy because of the uh, like the legendary status and everything that he made. Yeah. Well, I think he loved it too, didn't he? He loved that, you know. He, you know, they they slowly kind of bumped him into the later slot. So they eventually they came out, you know. He moved on to doing other things, I suppose, pretty much. But um, yeah. but he, I think, he had just a genuine love of music and discovering new music, and you know, he just he enjoyed it. So he got to do the thing that he loved. So that's I, I, that's how I feel about it. I'm lucky that I get to do something. People say to me, "What are your kind of hobbies?" You know, outside of the band, and I say, "Well, I like buying guitars." You know, and I like buying records, so they're all kind of music-related things that I like. You know, I like synthesizers, things like yeah. that. You know, so so I kind of feel like I'm a kind of the dream job in that sense because all of my interests would be are pretty much music-related. You know, well, endless um, Ar- endless arcade's got some different sounds on it. This this, this latest album hasn't it in terms of synth and what have you? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Well, we, and we've got so Eros Chelles has been playing with us recently, and uh, and so he's got a nice collection of synths. And uh, but we've always we've always had them on our records, but just some maybe not so prominently as this one. Yeah. But we've got some pretty old, some nice old vintage synths that we've picked up over the years for not a lot of money. They they, some, they go for quite a lot of money now. And there was a period when they were really unfashionable analog synths, which yeah. is hard to hard to imagine. But there was you could pick. We picked up a Jupiter Four, Roland Jupiter Four, I think for like. Three or four hundred quid. They go for crazy money now, you know. But um, uh, but we still have it. We need to get it serviced. Was it? Uh, um, was it? Sorry, with the new. Was it? Was it basically? It's. It's. Let's fucking do this now because it's basically. We're going to keep saying we're going to do more synth, more driven stuff, and and if we we're not careful, we're just going to keep saying it and not doing it, sort of thing. And now you've just done it. Well, I think. I, I think it's, it's more about we just. Yeah, you never know what's how. What, I mean, there, I think there's a it's definitely a thread through all of our records. You know. Yeah. Really, they're, they're all yeah. kind of similar in the sense that they're song based and they're burst choruses and there's nothing you know most mostly that but you're always trying to do something a little different or you're trying Layer to improve it. on what you've done yeah you just look for a different thing so having having a sort of different sort of combination so with eros being in, on keyboards he hasn't he had been played in a previous record he'll bring something different because we all what we would do when we write we just we get together but if it's my song i'll just play the song in an acoustic and then, or on an electric, and then we just start working it out. But I mean, people will people just start picking up, trying to work out the parts. And then maybe an hour later, we've got a song. That's how we kind of do it. So, yeah. so everyone contributes to that recording. Uh, in that sense, you know, you you know, I'll, you myself or whoever Randall have written it, but everyone contributes to the way that it sounds in the man, end. Just like fucking straightforward, man. Like how, yeah, like I, I, that's how it's we do it. It's simple. Yeah, yeah. It's, but, it's, a, it's it's nice because everyone contributes. Then you know. And, uh, and what you find is when you, well, you, if you work with anyone, they, everyone has got a slightly different approach to making music, um, and and you, you know, and that's always good. It's good people. You always learn something when you do a collaboration with someone. Yeah, I've done a few over the years with different artists or whatever, and and there'll be something that they do. You always think, well, that's a great little technique. I'll have to I'll try and use that, you know, or you know. So we, and we all do it. We all, do, you know, every, you know. People will, uh, I'll have things that I do, they'll be different. Certain chord sequences that I'll use that 
I, you know, uh, and I'll do the same. Some people play a little riff and say, what's that little hook there? Oh, that's good. How would yeah. you play that G and that, you know, those kind of things. And you pick them up and maybe incorporate them, you know, and what Definitely. you're doing. You know? I, I, I just think, um, yeah, the, the, the song I want, I'll send you, um, but you've probably already heard it. It's called Golden Skin by, by Silver Sun. Um, I think you can. It's not even on freaking Spotify. It's, it, it's it, I don't know what's happened. I don't know why the music isn't. It's so goddamn good. I don't know why they haven't done that. But it's it's very much like there's a song when I heard for the first time. I was like, okay, I know it's simple, but that is amazing. That riff is yeah. totally freaking amazing. Yeah, I yeah, love that's that. The, yeah, that's the beauty of music, isn't it? Something you think, wow, has no one done that before? Yeah. Think, well, no, they have. You know, whatever. And it's just that's. I love. I love that too. When you hear something, you think. That's brilliant. Yeah. But it's really simple. Yeah. You know, and well, I have, that, yeah. That's the that's the great thing about songs, isn't it? You know, you, you don't really need too many elements uh, to make it really, you know, uh, stand out and be idiosyncratic and interesting. You know, and whatever. You but know, the, the, there's loads the, of combinations. But it must be like when you go, you guys are so tight now as a band, like um, that. You and maybe this this is kind of uh, a round, quite a big roundabout question. So please hmm. bear with me. But when I've, you know, I've been in bands before where you're in a bat, you're in, a, you know, you're rehearsing, and, and someone comes out with a riff, and suddenly, it seems like everybody has played it before, and the chemistry in the room just suddenly, is it's there, and the song is is firing. But with you guys, does it, it you get that? But do you also get like, oh, we can also harmonize like fucking the Beach Boys, and it suddenly does does it ever happen where it's just suddenly everything happens all at once, like harmonies, a riff, or. I mean, kind of in terms of in the studio, you know, that's how you kind of want it to work. You know, we tend to, uh, we don't really rehearse a lot before we get in the studio. We look to just when at that point, uh, I, hope you're, oh, yeah, I hope you're still hearing me. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, no, just go go back like 20 seconds. You just froze for a set for a bit. Yeah, there. sure. Yeah, no, we, we tend to work uh, things out in the studio. You know, we'll, we'll come in, uh, we'll maybe have a day or two before, we go in and we'll run through, you know, here's the, here are the songs. And then uh, we do, we, we like to uh, sort of start working on a song and then maybe overdub on it and do some harmonies on it all in the same day. Yeah. So there's a way that you, you get to, by the time you get to the end of the day, you've created this thing. That's quite exciting to do it that way. Yeah. You don't always do it that way, but for me, that's if you have the lyrics ready to go, which we don't always have, but we do, it's sometimes quite nice to get and just complete it you get to the end of that day and you've got the finished thing there uh and you think okay nine more and we've got an lp god so, um, yeah that yeah, that's yeah. that is such a a great proposition of privilege not in a i don't mean that in a in a slight i mean that in just like a really no, privileged sure. kind of like being able to musician like as musicians you know yeah yeah totally yeah that's yeah that's what that's yeah it's, it's, that is, it's fun to do that and fun to be have the opportunity to do it as well yeah so yeah God, we'll just, I just we'll just we'll just keep plugging away and we'll keep making records as long as we can. We'll keep doing it. Yeah, damn straight. Um, but just just quickly with um, because I forgot to ask earlier about Alan McGee and that whole story there. Like, because I know obviously the the story about Oasis and Alan McGee is like fucking Jesus Christ. Everybody knows it to death. When where did he see you? Like, uh, how did it happen? He got your uh, demo. Was it like in a roundabout yeah, way or something? Well, well, you know, we'd kind of known him. Uh, I. I, I friends with Bobby Gillespie right. when Bobby was up living in Glasgow he'd sort of hung out a bit or whatever but um, God what a fun uh, man, I think, Jesus yeah so I think just through the, the sort of small group of people in Glasgow McGee would come up to visit them 
and they had a club called Splash One. Bobby did; he was involved in the club with some other people, uh, and um, and they they put on bands there. And McGee would sometimes come up. So I think it was just introduced him there. But then I think he, we'd made our first album, um, and he liked. I, I think he liked the idea of working with us after that. And I, I mean, it was it's probably as simple as Alan just phoning because, of course, to be, and he'd be phoning the landline or meeting us in Glasgow hey. somewhere and just saying, <laughs> look. Yeah, do you fancy making an LP for creation? And and that's what happened. And the next yeah. thing we knew, we were in the studio making Bandwagon-esque. And, and you know, we, then from there on, I think we did, because uh, we hadn't really signed a deal with them. They were paying for the studio, but we hadn't yeah. signed a deal. So we made the record, and then we did like a three-album deal. And then after that, we, did, we stayed on for another three or something like that, two or three. So, But, but it was good fun. We, Alan was great. You know, they were really enthusiastic. But- and, it's just my my interest is because bearing in mind like not every record label nowadays has the artist at the center of their um no they don't you're right they right do attention and, and were amazing for that alan yeah. and dick both i think had to be more good because at the same time scream Adelica was being made by primal scream uh, my bloody valentine were making loveless and we were making oh. bandwagon s we were all on creation at the time but they were oh. shelling out money I think Alan and Dick had to remortgage their homes to finish. You know. yeah. So if the albums had if, it, if the albums had flopped, they would have been gone. They would have been, the creation would have been over, you know. So but they, they had faith in the artists. There would have been no oasis. And, yeah, and there would there would have been there would have been no oasis. Well, maybe, certainly not with creation. No, but, um, no. But the um, yeah. So they 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 were a very artist friendly label in that sense. They but they, they believe that the artist is always right, you know. Uh, right. And so, yeah, labels are different nowadays, I think. So not all of them. Some are very artist-friendly, but, you know, it's sort how, of changed a bit. Yeah, how, so was, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, obviously, at the time, you're kind of, yeah, My Bloody Valentine, Primal Scream, uh, Teenage Fan Club. You, you're not looking, what, I don't know. What a, what a wonderful position to be in, to look around you and go, fuck me, associated with some pretty good um, label mates oh, here. Do you know, it was good that, I mean, they had Ride as well, Feldman oh, labeled it. Yeah. And if the Mary Chain had probably left by that point, uh, but still they had a lot of good things that were associated with it. But I think they did that thing where they started signing a lot of things and putting a lot of records out, you know. Um, um, you know, that that's a, sometimes a good way to get some hits and get things. You know, Boo Radleys were there as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, 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 there'll be some very obvious ones that I'm forgetting. I'm sure. Well, but, don't worry, you know, mate. We're not on pointless. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but they, you know, they, it was great. It was a good place to be. It was the right place for us to be at that time, and they were yeah. very supportive of us. And yeah, we we like being there. You know, so it was it's a, you know, well, like I guess all like all most great labels that had did come to an end eventually, but uh, but but they had a good they had a pretty good run at God. it. You know. Man, and of course, they, they, they had their success with Oasis, which was off the charts. Off the hook, man. So. Jesus wept. But it, it's mental because I was listening to My Bloody Valentine on six this morning and um, Belinda's voice, it's so creepy, but it's so, so haunt, so creep, haunting and powerful. And yeah, yeah. They were brilliant. I mean, they were a great, great band, a really amazing band. Um, I think it isn't anything. I saw them a few times on the previous one, isn't anything. And yeah. they were. I remember seeing them before that record came out. I was down in London with the Pastels, playing with them at the Fulham Greyhound. I remember seeing them that night and thinking, "My, this is going to be a brilliant, a brilliant album." And it was, isn't anything. It was a really, really great record. But, <sighs> but it was. They were absolutely astonishingly good that yeah. night. You know, just but, yeah. a different kind of loud, right? Just a yeah, it's yeah, sonically, yeah. sonically pleasing. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I saw. Sorry, just before we go, um, I saw Primal Scream the other day. At, well, in May, at one of the yeah. first festivals that was allowed to have people. Um, oh yeah, and yeah, they they were just phenomenal, man. Just seeing like Bobby doing his thing. I think accidentally I've yeah. seen that band. Um, on purpose, I think I've seen them about two or three times. But accidentally, I think I've seen them about six or seven times at festivals. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, no, they're all they're always they're a great festival band, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah. They're a good they're a good draw for a festival. I think. But but um, what do you think about one man? Like, there's only one one or two front men left. I think it's that. I think it is just Bobby and Liam Gallagher, and it's like that is kind of. I'm obviously shitting on loads of other bands here because I'm no, really sure. ignorant. Um, yeah. But like of a, of an era, do you know what I mean? Like. That's an era yeah, that you guys yeah. were a part of, and what have you? Yeah, I suppose. So I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, some some bands just do it differently. I suppose we we always present more as a as a band, you know. Well, this is it. Other people will have the have the singer, you know, and that's that's a thing. But um, and and it's a good thing that can be a great aesthetic. Just watch watching someone standing singing, and you know, right. someone like Nick Cave or something like that. You know, yeah. like, you know, it's really powerful. It looks amazing. You know, um, yeah. you know, um, but that, you know, that's yeah, it's, you know, it's. Uh, and it'd be great for a festival. You're right. Yeah, somebody, somebody strutting about the stage, throwing some shapes. Can't be that. But someone, someone dance, someone with a guitar and smashing out the vocals, man. That that's the shit. That's what I want. I love a front man, but I, I like it. I like I like someone with the power behind the guitar. You know, like there's nothing like that. And I, I like it. I enjoy playing guitar and singing. You know, it's for me. I like. To, I don't like connection. Playing. I like that connection. I do, if I'm singing and I don't, I do a couple of. Things. I don't know where to put my hands, you know, from just just right. the microphone, you know. I don't, I, I don't know what to do with my hands, um, and so I always like to have a guitar, and I just feel much more comfortable doing that. And what, what, what's your pedal setup? Is it quite simple? Is it like three or four pedals? Yeah, or? it's and um, what we've got at the moment. I've got it. It's really simple at the moment. Uh, got it so simple I can't forget what it is. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah, it's so simple that um, uh, yeah, oh yeah. shit. I've got uh, what have I got again? Uh, what have we been using recently? Oh, yeah, God, what's it called? Blues Breaker, uh, whatever it's called. No, I've got an, um, is it an exotic, oh, God. It's basically... Um, what co- What colour? Let's start with the colour. What's the colour, Norman? <laughs> you know, you look, uh, yeah, the colour is it's a little, it's a little sort of silver and there's some black in the top. It's called the EP Booster. Okay. Um, and and it, basically, it's the amplifier section of an Echoplex re- uh, delay pedal. or delay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Tape delay. Uh, and it's what I do is I turn that on. I've got that going straight into an AC30. Oh. But I have it in. So, but I'm actually now in an AC15. Sorry. It's a I've got one. mate. I've got Night Train AC15, and it's a fucking beaut. Great, great. I love the AC. But anyway, I just have that, and what I do is I put the I kick it on, and I put the volume at zero, and it just adds something, just a richness to the sound. Oh really? And, and that that's that's about it. Um, and then like a MX on micro amp sometimes or something like that. But it's simple oh. as that one. They're a cheap screamer. Simple. Like, you know, I've gone from having a big pedal. Like Raymond's got quite a lot of pedals. I couldn't tell you what any of those are. He's got quite a lot of, you know, boutique ones. Uh, that, but, right. but, um, all good. They're all carefully chosen. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. And, and he does a lot more guitar than me. You know, I'm kind of more just play rhythms and stuff like that. Mate. But, but, yeah. We, we, yeah. Yeah, exactly the same. I, I'm exactly the same, man. Just obviously mm, yeah. on a on on a, on a scale that is so so minute that <laughs> it's not it's barely even worth talking about. But it's just like I, I love just I think I ask that question just for the the people out there that that, that do have a set up in their own living rooms or their whatever yeah, garage yeah. or whatever, and they're they're, they're, they're stock AC fifteen. So you can get that anywhere, stock AC fifteen or whatever, yeah. or something. You know, just really good, and and they sound good. You know, and it's and it's fun, and it's really. 
again, it's more about it should be more about the performance anyway. It's nice to have nice gear, but the other great thing about that is it's pretty easy to carry around. Oh, yeah. I think in the past we were touring these massive amounts of gear. Must have spent a lot, must have wasted a lot of money doing that, but never right. mind. So we've got it. It's quite compact now. We've got just a few things, and that's that works for us now. So oh, sweet. when when you coming out on the when you coming out on the road again? So which, yeah, we've got some shows um, next April. Well, I think I'm going to have to take the dogs for next day. I think he's needing a walk. But okay, uh, don't worry, unless we we can call it if you like. Yeah, I think I might have to because I think he's okay. But we're in April. <laughs> we can, we can hear him. Interview. I can hear him yeah. growling. It's yeah, quite cute. Oh, oh, sorry, Paul. We'll go with shortly. Um, no, um, we're out in April. Uh, and yeah. Before that, I got a couple of festivals. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, look, Norman, mate, look after yourself, okay? Yeah, it's lovely chatting with you. Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Oh, Take care, no. pal. You too. Cheers. All the best. See you The dog... The dog stopped the interview for the first time. A, a, an interview had to be held, had to be brought to a stop owing to a, a little doglet. Oh God, good guy, man. It's a good, it was a good chat. Hope you enjoyed it. Fuck off.